0: Recording. Thank you. Good to see everyone. Make sure you uh, take advantage of the donuts and the cookies and the coffee and know that you can get up in the middle of the class anytime you want. Um, However, if you have to go to the bathroom, please raise your hand and ask for permission. that would be the only one, the only exception to the rule. And I'd like you to say something like, Teacher, may I please go to the potty? <laughs> I'm sorry <hard> to play. <laughs> you're, you're right on time, man. You're actually early uh, because there'll be some other people come in later, but that's okay. Take just another minute or so, and then we'll jump into our class. missing one of the I can't do you have a question for later you got five questions <laughs> no, five avenues, I oh good for you good for you I at my text, I
1: <laughs> hi robin hi, good to see you, God was leading you
0: through the Okay, does anyone need any more time? Do you need just a tiny bit more time? Look, you can you can scribble in your answer um, as the class goes on, but hopefully it won't be the class that gives you the answer. It will be your having read the book that gives you the answer. Okay, let me just pray and ask the Lord's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together again to study the greatest of all subjects of theology, the study of yourself and who you are and all that you have done and are doing in the world. Oh Lord, give us insight today into who you are and what you are like. We thank you that we can't plumb the depths of it and never will be able to, not even throughout the eons of eternity. You're so great. You're so transcendent, you're so magnificent. But at the same time as we learned last week, you are knowable in spite of your incomprehensibility. And you want us to know you so that we can better worship you and trust you and love you. So to that end, help us today. Make this class a blessing. Lord, we don't wanna just fill our brains with knowledge and information. We want to understand truth so that it will affect our lives and the way we live. So please come and help us. Bless Pastor Keith's class today, as they have a wonderful study. Bless all of the uh, young people, middle schoolers and high schoolers who are learning under Pastor Thad this morning. Bless all of the children. Lord, be the ultimate teacher of this church today, not only in this hour, but in the hour to come. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, you know, sometimes we use the expression, the deep end of the pool. Um, surely this one, this subject today qualifies for that analogy. But we're going to be jumping into the deep end of the pool uh, all year long. And why should we be surprised? Because we're, this is about God. There is no shallow end. There's an understandable end. But uh, we're going to frequently, but we're really jumping into the deep end today uh, when it comes to the subject of the incommunicable attributes of God. Um, The ones that are communicable, we find a bit more understandable. And we, at one level, we do understand those incommunicable attributes, but probably the first thing we understand is that there's no way to plumb the depths of any of those because they just blow our minds. They just, um, those kinds of truths, as one old theologian said, if you think about long enough, there's so much uh, depth to them that they explode in a kind of mystery, in a kind of, wow, oh God. And you break out with the Apostle Paul. And you, and you have your own little doxology. By the way, doxa just means glory. And you are giving glory to God and you say things like, God, you're just too much for my mind. You're too wonderful. Who can plumb the depths of your glory? And of course, we all know the answer is no one. So that's what I mean by, the deep end of the pool, uh, and particularly today, as we think about the attributes of God. So, um, you know, we've studied the doctrine of God. We had eight lessons on that, or the doctrine of the word, excuse me, eight lessons on that. Today, we come to our second lesson on the doctrine of God. Last week, we thought about how he is knowable and yet not fully knowable. In fact, eternity itself will never exhaust the knowability of of God. There will always be more and more and more. Again, because he is infinite in his glory. I'm gonna use that phrase many, many times. Infinite by definition means measureless and boundless. So if it's measureless, you can never come to the end. You can never reach the bottom. If we wanna think of an ocean of truth, it's a bottomless ocean so um it it uh, should pretty much overwhelm us and sometimes i think you should we all should think 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 and try to understand contemplate what cannot be fully grasped until your brain feels like it's going to just deteriorate explode come undone just come unraveled Um, sometimes our brains feel like when you, when you were kids, you remember how fun it was to blow up a balloon and get it just almost to the bursting point, but don't tie a knot and just let it go. It goes <laughs> and, go, and that's what your brain should feel like. But don't hesitate to just keep thinking and say to God, God, is there more than I can understand about this? I'm just gonna meditate on it. Expand my mind. And I don't mean by that that we're gonna come to truth without studying the Word of God. But I'm saying take what the Word of God says about God and just think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it until your brain just says, I, I need a break. This is, this is exhausting. But it will do something good in your soul. It will do something very wonderful in your soul. And that's what I want us to talk about once again at the end of the class. Every class needs to, to at some point, if not in the middle, at least by the end, answer the question, so what? What difference should it make in our lives that we come to understand better today that some of God's perfections are absolutely impossible for us to ever possess? And you think about it until it does something wonderful in your soul. So, Today, we come to the subject of the attributes of God, and I just wanna say a word about the meaning of attributes. Surely most of you could give some suitable definition. Uh, We talk about the attributes of people, and we say, you know, one thing about that dear sister in Christ, she's so compassionate. She's so prayerful. One thing about that brother, he's so patient. He's so kind. He's so diligent. What are you talking about, attributes? We attribute to that person those qualities because we see them. God has attributes. So when we talk about the attributes, we're talking about God's qualities. We're talking about God's perfections. We're talking about God's characteristics. What is he really like? So we're going to be considering that today and next week And we're going to appreciate how some of those perfections are just absolutely unshareable and others he chooses to share with us, to communicate to us. Some of them are incommunicable. One old writer reminded me this week that sometimes theologians call those imitable, you can imitate it, and inimitable. But I, I think it's easier to just say communicable and incommunicable. But why should we be surprised that some of God's characteristics are communicable? We shouldn't because we're made in his image. We possess some of the attributes of God even if we're not saved. Maybe I'll just throw out a question. Give me an attribute of God that an unsaved, unregenerate, unconverted person might possess. Kindness. Kindness. Yeah. yeah just by com- what we call common grace. How about how about another one or two? Love. Love. Did I hear a different word besides love? Love. Patience. Okay. Patience. Uh, and if you want, just start with being. Uh, do. Unconverted people exist. Are they a real being? Where did they get their beinghood? From God. He is a being. We have our being because of Him. We have intellect. We can rationalize. Some of us rationalize better than others. We can analyze, we can scrutinize. We can talk together. We can communicate. How did we ever get the natural ability to communicate from a communicating God? We can create, if you put quotation marks around the word. I mean, artistic people blow me away. I can't make... I can't make a person on a piece of paper look like a human being. They just don't look human to me. But think of an artist who takes a a blank canvas and puts the most beautiful scene that you could ever imagine. Mountains, lake, eagle flying in the air, the sun. Just beautiful things. We say, man, that's quite a creation. It's not a creation in the sense that it came out of nothing because they need a canvas and they need paint and they need a brush. But they did create something that wasn't there before. Where'd they get that ability? Image bearers, made in the image of God. So we all have some attributes communicated to us just by virtue of being human beings. But when we get saved, then God does something with that compassion, with that patience, or perhaps even with that truthfulness. Maybe you grow up in a home where your parents insisted on you telling the truth and you always told the truth, but you're not converted. You're just a truth teller. But when you get saved, God communicates, in a sense, a newness to that truthfulness, to that love, to that compassion, and whatever other attributes we might want to think about. So historically, the uh, attributes of God are often divided into those two categories which I've already mentioned, the communicable and the incommunicable. It happens in this case that we're gonna think about the incommunicable first, and I think that's probably good. I think Dr. Allison purposely chose to start with the incommunicable, so that we could just be kind of blown away and then very encouraged to know that he does communicate other attributes to us. By the way, I communicated with him this week, and we're getting closer to choosing a time. And um, I think what I still think what's going to happen is I'm going to go over and hopefully have lunch with him and spend some time together and and nail it down. So <clears throat> I want to uh, put on the whiteboard um, a definition of God that you all have seen before. I one time I. Taught a course on the attributes of God back in the learning center where Pastor Keith is teaching right now. And I used the definition of God provided in the shorter catechism. Um, Just for some frame of reference, a catechism is just a question and answer way of learning. That's all a catechism is. Ask a question, give an answer. You catechize your children. What did mommy mean by make your bed? Let me show you how to make a bed. And you catechize your children. A catechism is a way of instruction. In the 1600s, the um, great um, Westminster Confession of Faith was written, but there were Baptist theologians and pastors in that group. And so they tweaked it uh, later and published it. And we know that as the uh, 1689 Confession, which is one of the oldest Baptist confessions But when the um, Puritans finished writing the Confession, they said, now we need to teach these truths. So they wrote a larger catechism, which is pretty deep theologically, and it's it's a little more profound and a little more thorough. And they said, but what about the children? Let's let's put together a shorter catechism. Well, (laughs) when you read and study the shorter catechism, that blows you away. You can't imagine that young children in the 1700s or the 1600s actually were taught these truths. And then, as I indicated, I think, last week by bringing a certain book (coughs) with me, there are men who have done catechisms on the catechism, which which is actually pretty cool. And Banner of Truth printed one. I've been consulting that. I held one up last week that was very old put together by three Scottish pastors, well, actually 120 pastors, the three Scottish pastors summarized it all. And today I have another one with me. This book is really precious to me. The print is very fine. I don't know if any of you can see the fineness of the print from here, (laughs) but um, this book with all this fine print has, oh, three, about well, 400 pages. About 400 pages. And <clears throat> this dear pastor to be, pastor to be, by the name of Alexander Patterson, thought, well, I'm going to be examined by a presbytery, by a group of pastors, to see if I'm qualified to be a pastor. Which, by the way, last week I was privileged to um, participate in a in a pastoral um, examination. Pre ordination examination down near Litchfield um, of a of a relatively young man in a church up in uh, near the Hawesville area and over near Cloverport, but it's out in the middle of nowhere called Corinth. And their pastor Andrew Rupert comes to our pastors' fellowship back there every every month, and they have 250. They had about 400 people. A few years ago but then they started to reform the church and make it more biblical and they lost people. So they have a man who's they're calling to to the to be an elder and got to be a part of five men who examined him for, a, for four hours of question after question after question and discussion. Really sweet really rich experience. Well anyway this brother Uh, felt he needed to prepare, so he, in preparing, he studied church history and took such careful notes that after he died, it became a book on the church history. The other thing he said, I think I should study the Shorter Catechism, and he did so much work on the Shorter Catechism and studying it and pursuing it further and further and further and further and writing about it that uh, this is what is said about him in, in the opening page. Just listen to this. This apprehension was in great measure the occasion of leading him to draw up a very ample ample notes on topics connected with ecclesiastical or church history, which were afterwards posthumously published under the title, History of the Church from the Creation of the World to the 19th Century. The present work was composed with a somewhat similar object and it is supposed that the intensity, listen to this, it is supposed that the intensity of mind which he brought to bear on both, that is the book on church history and this, in some measure hastened his premature and lamented death, it hastened it, which took place on the 12th of September, 1828, in the 25th year of his life. He studied himself to death. Talk about the deep end of the pool. Talk about your mind feeling like it's gonna explode. This man, and this is an amazing catechism on the catechism. And I've been uh, delving into it this week and last week. But the shorter catechism asks the question, who is or what is God? And the answer, some of you may know, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. I actually recommend that you memorize that. How long did that take me to say? 15 seconds? 20 seconds? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So let me just show you how I sometimes present that when I'm teaching on this subject. And in some of this, you will have seen this before. So I understand that. But lots of you perhaps have not seen it. So we could go like this and just say, God is a spirit. That, that's his nature. He's spiritual. In fact, that's one, isn't it? One of the incommunicable attributes. You have a spirit, but your spirit was created. God's spirit wasn't created. Okay. God is a spirit. And then, then the um, theologians, the pastors divided it into something like this: infinite. You know that means without measure. Eternal. And unchangeable. Okay? In, in regard to what? Puritans, in regard to what? Well, they said, let's just let's just give you some really broad categories. <clears throat> and these are just, you know, and under each of these, there could be several more categories, especially under one of them that I'm going to point out to you. How many gonna get there, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, six, seven. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Wisdom. Power. Holiness. justice, goodness, and truth. Okay. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, non-changeable, his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Okay, Memorize that. So, right away we, if we look at this closely we start it, I mean I think if we really think about it you start seeing Hmm. some of this I never had or ever will get or be it looks like it's incommunicable to me but some of it God has already given to me some of it he gave to me by virtue of being created in his image and others he gave to me by virtue of the new birth So, when we think about God's measure boundless in his being, okay, that means he's omnipresent. Okay, if you're infinite in your being, are any of you guys infinite in your being? Where's your being right now? Right here. here. Can you be in more places than one at the same time? Only in your mind, maybe. God is in every place at the same time. Because he's infinite in his being. He's also infinite in his wisdom. So what does that make him? That makes him omni-what? I can't write and talk at the same time. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And for God to be infinite in this, actually, I think I'm going to put the arrows this way. Okay. Makes him to be omnipotent. Omnipotent. Okay. So, are any of you guys infinite in your wisdom? <laughs> You're also infinite in your pride. Uh, that's great. Um, but, but just to quickly make the point, don't let Joe answer. Answer for Joe. And please be loving about this, okay? Do you think Joe has some wisdom? Yes. Yeah. Who communicated that to our brother? Okay. Does he have infinite wisdom? No. No okay so but the other thing that just starts blowing us away is that God is eternal in all of these things do you have being yes Mm -hmm. did your being never have a beginning yes no it never had a yes it had a beginning (laughs) I'm confusing myself (laughs) you teach a people like this and it's going to drive you crazy no you're right um our being began so god is god is eternal in everything now do you have eternal life yes yes Yes. Yes. yeah are you eternal in the same way god was god is eternal No. No. no because god never had a beginning so there is some in a sense even in the incommunicable attributes there is a certain communication of some of the incommunicable attributes okay so he's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Um, your state is unchangeable as far as being saved, but you know, our, we're always changing, aren't we? And it's not always bad, but what's the difference between our changeability now as Christians and our changeability someday? Will you ever be unchangeable? Think hard. If you say yes, you're wrong. Aren't you going to be growing in your knowledge of God? Are you going to be unchangeably sinless on the day you die or the day Jesus comes back? Are you going to get more holy throughout eternity? No, No. because that would imply there's some sin that has to go. Right? But are you going to be changing throughout eternity? Yes. Yes, we'll be going from knowledge to knowledge to knowledge to knowledge. So you see all these things, you got to kind of think them through. So here we are, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchanging, one being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And when you see that, you begin to see some things that are um, incommunicable. And you begin to see some things that are thankfully and wonderfully communicable. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. The and today Allison wants us to think about this. He wants us to think about the incommunicable attributes of God. Any questions right now before I go further? It's maybe good some place to stop for just a second. Yes. Mm-hmm. Could you explain how once any of those top attributes are infinite or unchangeable there is eternal add to any of them once we know that they are infinite and unchangeable They're eternal in the sense that God always had those things. They were part of his essence from the very beginning Wouldn't that be because they were unchangeable? Or because that, he was unchangeable? That's true they're in, in that sense they're connected and they're inseparable they're unchangeable, but it's not like for a while he didn't have it and then he got it and now it'll never change like it will be for us. We're sinful, someday we'll be ho- perfectly holy and it'll never change. God was always uh, unchangeable in all of his attributes and in all of them he was infinite. Okay. I, I don't know if that's helping or not. I think so. I think so. Are there other questions right now, or that you want to insert real quickly? Okay. Okay, Dave. Uh, you know, Wayne Grudem the comment that uh, God, instead of incommunicable, God shares less of that attribute with us, and then communicable, He shares more. You mentioned yes, for example, yeah, wisdom. Yeah. I mean, He's infinite yeah. in that, yeah. but He shares yeah. it. Uh, being, even He shares. He did say that and I thought that was helpful. I'm glad that you caught that. So if any of you want to go deep, you take you get Grudem as well, who who wrote really for lay people. This is a great and he wrote a longer one that was 1200 pages and he and people said please make this more readable and understandable and he took out 600 pages of that book. I've got the other one as well. In fact, he signed it for me. Jonathan once had the privilege of studying under him up at Bethlehem for a while. But anyway, that's right, Dave. And and by the way, here's how he introduces the subject of the the two categories. He says, "When we come to talk about the character of God, we realize that we cannot say everything the Bible teaches us about God's character at once. We need some way to decide which aspect of God's character to discuss first, which aspect to discuss second, and so forth. In other words, we need some way to categorize the attributes." And then he just goes on to say that historically one of the more helpful ways is to divide them into what God cannot communicate because it's just essential to God and what he can communicate by his grace. So there's incommunicable and communicable. So could we just quickly, you guys tell me some things about God that are, I've already said, but I mean, let's make a new list. Okay, I'll put up a category here. Of incommunicable. So, okay, incommunicable attributes. Just anything, but just got to be sure that it's something you cannot, you cannot have in the way that God has. Okay. So, what what are we gonna start with? Just anything. They don't have to be in an order. Holiness is communicable. Simplicity. Aren't you becoming more omniscience, holy? Omniscience, omniscience. God is holy in a way that we can never equal. But does he Does He want to make Jim Criswell more holy? Does he actually help you be more holy? Okay, you're with me. Yeah. What did you say? Simplicity. Just, Simplicity. That, that was one That's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I can't. I can't. It's almost counterintuitive. What is? <laughs> who was kind of tripped up by simplicity? Yeah. Well, I was. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't think it. I mean, it makes you, it, it's counterintuitive, because you almost think of simple being the lesser, complex being the greater. And yet he says we're complex. What do theologians mean by the simplicity of God? He wasn't created. Sorry? That he wasn't created. He wasn't created, Okay. No parts. No parts. Does God have a part of this and a part of that? Like the attributes aren't just like they're all separate parts of God, they're all just God. They've always been God. We're complex. For example, here's another one, isn't it? We have bodies and we have souls. We're material and we're immaterial. God is just immaterial. And everything about God is just his isness. He is all these things. So, in that sense, he's simple. Okay, we got to quickly go on. What else? He can't be perfected. Sorry? He, there, he can't be perfected. He can't be improved upon. Okay, okay, let's say perfect. That's good. Immutability. Immutability. <clears throat> Omniscient. Omnipotent. There's another one that's going to have to go in there. We got the three. I kind of wondered why he didn't put them together. Did you notice, for example, he didn't have this is not a criticism of Dr. Allison because he didn't choose to do them all. But I was just surprised that when he put in omnipresence in, on page 75, that he didn't do the other two in omnis. So we got om- omniscient, omnipotent, and existent. Anything else? Eternal. Eternal. Independence, Eternal. Independence or a say any? Yeah, that's an interesting word, isn't it? You know, I looked up the dictionary. It's not even in the dictionary. The Merriam-Webster just say, say Um What'd you say? What was the first one, Larry? In independence. What does it mean for God to be independent? He's not independent anyone. <laughs> What does it mean for Him to be independent? He's not independent. on anyone, anyone. Exactly. He doesn't need any, are, are we dependent? Yeah. yeah, I'm dependent on my wife. Ted, you don't have any socks on today. You, would you like to wear some socks to church? No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she helps me in so many multiple, multiple ways. Okay, how about, how about this one? Infinity, infinity. OK. So what is that? Spirit. Yes. Yeah. Spirituality. Yes. And we've already talked a little bit about that. OK, now I'm going to stop. We won't make this list exhausting. But these are things that are <laughs> communicable to us. In some respect, we will be perfect. In some respect, we will be immutable, but in other respects, we won't. I've already said we're going to grow in our knowledge. We're changing. Not becoming more holy, but we're becoming more knowledgeable. And our love for God is growing throughout eternity. So, so just grasp the general idea that there, there is, uh, and there, is, there are attributes that only God possesses And we will never, ever share in them. God, can you, could God ever make you, well, this is like, could God make a stone so big he couldn't pick it up?
1: Could God (laughs) ever
0: make you omnipresent? No. Because only he is God. He can't make another God. So I think you feel it. Is this the deep end of the pool or not? So you take any one of these things and just think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it. And And before we quit, I want us to think about what difference it should make. Remember, we have to ask the so what. But you know what we haven't done? We haven't looked at one single verse of Scripture. I know we assume that's what the Bible teaches, and we're right in assuming that, but I don't want to just talk about theology. I want us to see it in the Bible. So let's just go back to Allison's uh, four categories. You have, first of all, independence. I'm gonna, here's what we'll do. I want someone to volunteer to find Acts 17, 24, and 25. Who will volunteer? I'm going to get by OK. Elizabeth, someone please look up Malachi 3.6. Volunteer. Carla. Someone please look up Psalm 91 through 4. Larry. Someone look up Psalm 102, 25 through 27. Volunteer. Okay, Jim. Someone look up Jeremiah 23, 23, and 24, Wiley. Someone look up Psalm 139, 7 through 10, Lester. And someone please look up John 4, 24. Okay, and he's got it. Now, the, here's, the, here's the deal, though. When everybody Everybody find your verse so that everybody can listen to everybody else. And then the rest of us who didn't choose a verse, listen. Please listen to each of these verses. I hope you you look them up when you study your chapter. Look them up. Look them up. Read them. Think about them. And we're not even looking up verses on a lot of these, okay? We're just looking up verses that support the ones that Allison is drawing to our attention. Okay, with regard to God not needing anybody or anything, please read... Uh, I think it was Elizabeth, Acts 17, 24 through 25. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Okay, as if he needed anything. He doesn't need anything. There are many more verses that teach the independence of God. Read, please, Malachi 3.6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Boy, there's a, there's a verse that immediately goes into application, by the way, isn't it? <laughs> Therefore, this is, why, this is why none of us... Why didn't God strike every one of us dead this week when we sinned against Him in one way or another? because He has forgiven us for all eternity. He doesn't change. He's pronounced us righteous in Christ. Now, how many verses in the Bible teach us that God doesn't change? Many, many verses. So this isn't even fair to God, but it's who can be fair to God in properly understanding or (coughs) reading. But you and I, we need to read and meditate on verses like that. So don't be satisfied with a one verse. I'm just this is a pro- time issue for me. Okay? So let's go to Psalm 91 through 4 about his eternality. That was by by the way about his immutability. He doesn't change. You can call it changelessness or you can call it immutability. We say don't we say things mutate? Some things mutate. God doesn't mutate. Okay? So please Psalm 10 was it Psalm 91 through 4? Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou hast turned back man into dust and to stay. Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. The eternality of God. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 102, 25-27. to Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Yeah, there's that immutability connected with eternality, kind of. Okay, um, Jeremiah 23, 23, and 24. Did did someone get it? Yeah, Yeah. okay. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? (laughs) Soul searching. See, See, when it comes to application, I mean, we could sit here and talk about this for a long time. The implications of what Wiley just read about the omnipresence of God. When, when, should, when we are tempted to sin wherever we might be, you think it could possibly be helpful to, to just stop and remember that God's right here right now, this second, this second. I'm in his presence right this second, thinking about doing that, or even thinking, period. Okay, um, uh, one more on this. Uh, this is a great passage. Psalm 139, 7-10. Who had that? Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Great, isn't that an amazing passage? There's no place, there's no way to escape the presence of God. There's a story of an old Puritan asking a young parishioner in his church, little boy, little girl, said, "Can if you can tell me where God is, I will give you an apple." And the little boy or the little girl said to the pastor, if you can tell me where God isn't, I'll give you a bushel of apples. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to go to simplicity. We agree with it. But isn't it interesting that even Allison didn't have a single verse under (laughs) implicity? It's more of a a logical, it's it's a valid conclusion. But there's not a scripture verse that just real explicitly explains what it means for God to be simple. Um, as opposed to complex. I think that's helpful to put it that way. We have did I give John four twenty four to someone? Okay. okay. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, God is spirit. Did I, I don't think I gave anyone first Timothy one seventeen, did I? Would someone just quickly read First Timothy one seventeen? Let's let that verse go. Uh, that's not necessary. Um, perhaps you saw it in the text. But now I want you to turn with me to page, 17, or to page 78 in your textbook, because our time is coming toward an end, and I want us to um, see some, some implications. Uh, he, these these uh, perennial questions and problematic issues are always worth reading. I, I hope you read that little box. The first one is, if God is independent and self-sufficient, why did he create us? How would you answer that? Did he need us? Yeah. So when he looks on the objects of his creation, they reflect on him. He did it to glorify himself. But he does care about us. and, and, And Allison wanted to point that out, and so does Grudem. This God who doesn't need us and didn't create us because he was lonely. One of the old Negro spirituals teaches that theology. It's a beautiful song, how God went down and scooped up some clay and he made himself a man because he was lonely. God's never been lonely. He's always had the the indescribable delight of fellowshipping with the Trinity. And by the way, you should read sometime um, that book, Reason for God by Tim Keller, because some of you know and Tim knows this I think that he wrote a chapter called something like the Holy Dance and he, he opens up the idea that the three persons of the Godhead delighted in one another as it were the, the Father and the Son dance around the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit and the Son dance around the Father and so forth they delight they're all equally God they're all equally God seems, seems if you just think wrongly that only the Holy Spirit and Jesus should dance around the Father no they're equally God. And salvation brings us into the dance. And now we delight in God. Now we glory in God. Now we enjoy God. It's an amazing chapter. You should just read that one chapter. In, it's called The Reason for God. And I'm happy to loan you my copy of that, even if you, if you would like. The Reason for God. Oh, the whole book is good, actually. Okay, so number two. If God is immutable, how should we understand Biblical passages that present God as changing his mind and relenting from his plan. Somebody please tell me three things, three illustrations in this chapter about God changing his mind. What were they? Just let's identify them a minute. Well, Nineveh, I mean. Nineveh, he was going to destroy Nineveh. He didn't say, I'm going to destroy Nineveh unless they repent. He said, I'm going to destroy Nineveh, period. Moses. Moses in what? What? What was the situation for Moses? Uh, the, uh, uh, he built the Ark and, and saved the, uh, uh,
1: That was Noah.
0: Noah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, people. uh time to, to try to find people That would be Abraham and Lot. Okay. He came down from Mount Sinai. You're close. Okay. It was when he was up at Mount Sinai, and they were they were reveling in sin, right. and God says, I am going to destroy this people, and I'm going to make a new nation out of you. And Moses prayed, and the verse says, and God relented. God changed his mind. I know you know that story, Ron. You were just trying to pull that one out. And that's an illustration. So we got Nineveh, and then there's another one. What was How the? How about Paul saying, I, "I wish I would be uh, an apostle for all my brothers to be saved." 10 or yeah, that that's um that's an amazing situation. However, that's not, that's God, not God. That's, that's right. not God changing. There was a third one. Do you remember what the third one was? Anybody besides me forget what the third one was? <laughs> i got it written down somewhere. How about when uh King was Lanai, sick, bad yeah that's what it was hezekiah hezekiah thanks thanks now man we do not this is I'm sorry we don't have time to really deal with this and it's such an intriguing question did God actually change his mind or was it his plan all along knowing that he would he, he he it would so break Moses' heart and Moses was so uh, he was so obsessed with the idea that God's reputation before the Egyptians would would be put in jeopardy that he would come to God in prayer and say God in essence you can't do this You can't do this because this, 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 and this. And so the Bible says, and God changed his mind. I know I'm not doing justice to this, but it was God's plan all along to change his mind. And what never changed was God's mercy and his grace and his purpose for the nation of Israel. So there was a conditionality built into it. And there are other such illustrations. So God changes from a human perspective, but he himself never says that was a bad idea. That's what we got to appreciate. God never has said or ever will say that was not a good idea. And, you know, one of the old writers said this, by the way. I think that is in my little catechism. He said, now, if God did change, he would have to change either for the better or for the worse. Now, think about that for a second. If he has to change for the better then he was deficient in some way. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. If he changes for the worse, then he's not perfect. So God does not change. He is unchangeable. But there are times when it would appear that God would change, that God does change, and he doesn't. Yes, Ron? Pastor Ted, if you took away one of the uh, characteristics of God, would that make him not God? Um, probably. That's a great question because I think all of these perfections are essential to his being and his. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yes, shooting from the hip. You agree with that, Larry? Yeah, I think the simplicity of God speaks to that issue, actually. Because they're all one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you Okay, thank you. I'm glad Larry. Is a SEM grad and he's going to be teaching for us in a couple of weeks. He has a simple subject. <laughs> That's what's not fair. He's going to teach on the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jim? Uh, simplicity in terms of a mechanical device is that it can have no fewer parts. If you take any one part away, it doesn't function. Mm-hmm. Think of a mousetrap. Mm-hmm. So simple. Simplicity mm-hmm. of a a base, a spring, and you can't take any of it away or it won't work. Right. And so that's the same thing with God. You take anything away. Yeah, good that's a great illustration. Thank you for that, Jim. Okay, look, guys, uh, here's what we need to do now. Um, I want to quickly go over the quiz. No, I want to ask first. So since God's attributes are incommunicable, and here are some of them. What difference should that make in our lives, brothers and sisters? Just quick, rapid fire. Worship, worship, worship. worship. Humility. 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 humility, absolutely. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. When you were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. And you have His mercy. But you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we are his people chosen by him and called out of darkness into light that we might proclaim his excellencies, which we just were talking about. Yeah. Amen. What was the passage again? Uh Second Peter, 1 Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten. Okay, thank you, Larry. Okay. Okay, we have a creator and we have a created. Okay? And it is the incommunicability of God's attributes that, that makes this chasm so great. Okay, This is actually an infinite chasm. And it's, it's an infinite ca- catechism because God is infinite. So let the creator-creature distinction always affect your life. Always affect your life. So you identified a couple of them. Humility, worship, anything else? Dependence. Dependence, gratitude, thankfulness, worship, praise. But renewed obedience? Obedience. Obedience, Security. Security, trust, comfort, faith. That's why I'm saying, folks, meditate, 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 meditate on these things. Just think of just choose any incommunicable attribute of God and think about it. Okay, now just quickly on the quiz and then we'll pray. What does the word attributes mean when we're talking about God? Now you know for sure it means qualities or perfections. If you could only use one word to answer that question, what word would you choose? So just throw out some words, please. I you said what? Characteristic. Characteristic? What Strengths, else? What? Strength. 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 Strongness. Strength. Okay. Yeah. Thank essence. you. What else? essence. Okay. All right. You could go on and on and on. Name six God's attributes. Each person, just somebody give me one immutability, immutability. Eternality. eternality, omniscient, omniscient. Independence. omniscient. Independence. independent, Love love what'd you say paula would you say something no okay spirituality Spir- spirituality okay so you can you know some of the attributes of god um now you know for sure what is an incommunicable attribute and what is a communicable one in one word how did how do the attributes of god make you feel what you put give me give me some of your words humble, humble. small small infinite infinite infinite, infinite. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, brother. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing I'm secure in Jesus. <laughs> I'm so humbled by the incommunicable attributes of God that even he can ridicule me and it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's very fun. That was very fun that you did that. See, it's dangerous for me to write and th- and try to think at the same time. And talk, talk at the same. <laughs> Infinite. <laughs> that that's going to go down as one of the funnier ones. Okay. All right. Um, let's pray together. Uh, and and Tim, I would like you please to lead us in. Who can who can adequately. <laughs> express to God what we need to express, but plead with Him in some way that will be helpful to all of us on this subject, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank You for setting before us this truth that really does make us feel small. Amen. And it sets You before us as the glorious, all-sufficient, only God. And we pray that we would humble ourselves before You. May our hearts and minds be filled with a sense of wonder and amazement at who you are and what you've revealed to us about yourself may we worship you more than ever we pray in jesus name Amen. amen amen